You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Sunday coffee here on this Sunday morning. First weekend in the month of August. Now a month to go for college football season. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. And Charlie, how are you doing this morning? We're actually less than a month. We're like 27 days now. It's not long now. It is getting here. Ready or not. Can I tell you, though, how much my attitude has improved by the fact that we open with an evening game? <laughs> we I open. Dread, you know, there is nobody in these United States who despises an 11 a.m. game more than I do. Oh, let me tell you this. In the first three weeks of the season, 11 a.m. or a 2 p.m. game is awful. Brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Brutal for everybody involved. First to play a home game the first weekend, so we got that out of the way. We're going to play a non-conference game in Memphis, somebody that you can circle on the calendar and say, hey, we want to get these guys back a little bit. We talked about that last week. But now you play a night game, hey, I'm ready for it. Am I wrong for saying this? Because I asked you this question maybe off the air about a month ago, and I was like, man, is, does it just seem like there's, you know, it may have just been me. I mean, a little apathy, you know, just couldn't get excited. It may have been a little hangover from baseball. But everybody I've talked to in the last week, it's almost like it's it's gearing up now. I'm, I'm kind of getting ready for it, man. We're dealing with a long summer that we didn't have last year. <laughs> we were all knocked down tired last yeah, year so this time. Now uh, we've had so much time to complain about baseball and to wonder who we're getting in transfer portals and basketball and baseball that football kind of fell off the radar a little bit. But I'm telling you, man, once it turns to August, all of a sudden, everybody starts to get back in the mode just a little bit, and you start to see how people change. You start to go from, if we don't do better than we did last year, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that, to all of a sudden, hey, man, I'm hearing good things about DeCamry and Richardson now. I think our, <laughs> I think our secondary is going to be better than we thought, which here's the other part. They hadn't put on pads yet. Well, that's what I was about to say. You know, if, if you say, well, I've gone to practice and I've seen two practices and here are my thoughts, let me tell you this, it doesn't really matter right now because <laughs> you practice what, twice? Yesterday was the second practice on Saturday. Today, yeah, you hit me up yesterday like, you going to practice today? No. No. <laughs> no. I will go, but not till they start. Doing something. Yeah, so what is the rule? Okay, so yesterday, Friday and yesterday, it's helmets and shorts only. Okay, this is the NCAA acclimation period. Today, on the third day, they can put on, I think they can put on everything today, right? Full shells today? Yeah, but no contact. No contact. They can't have contact until Wednesday, which to me, the thing about football practice, putting on helmet, pads, you know, they used to tell us, okay, you – when we play, back when, you know, the good old day syndrome, you know. Back, oh, here we go. Here we go. On Wednesday. We drank out of the hose. We were just fine. Yeah, uh, you could put the pads on on Wednesday, and then you had full practice on the following Saturday, Friday, whatever, day five or whatever. But it was almost like that soreness factor the first time you hit in pads. 
you kind of ask yourself the question, what good does this do? You want to say, well, it gets you acclimated to football, and these guys have been working out all summer long. I mean, what's the good in Friday and yesterday? And don't give me some kind of medical example or reasoning. Oh, so you want me to leave science out of this? That would be – that's where you want me to go? Yeah. You know, leave out all the observations we made? I don't know. Because here's what I would say. And, again, I'm going to play the good old syndrome, good old day syndrome a little bit. If you think back, and maybe we remember what we want to remember, but if we were to go back 40 years when guys were doing two-a-days, Rocky tried to do three-a-days one year, which I – anyway. If you're doing two-a-days every day, which you can't do anymore, and guys were having a lot more contact in practice than they have now, I don't feel like injuries were higher then than they are now. Well, it may have been a situation we just didn't know how injured they were. I mean, you don't know what kind of brain injury. Back in my day, we played with a broken arm. (laughs) So I flipped the switch, and now I've gone all scientific on you. That's what it is. I'm not talking brain injuries, but what I'm talking about is if the idea is we're trying to save guys from beat up, it would be interesting to get data. I don't know. Anecdotal evidence is, is tough to deal with. But it would be interesting to see if, in fact, we are keeping guys healthier than we used to be. You're seeing that in the NFL too, right? Oh, you are. I mean, there is a significant change. And really the first time that they hit each other is in a preseason game. Am I right? Now? Yeah. Yeah, basically. You know, you think um, think back in the day, Tom Landry take the boys up to Wichita Falls where it was 104 practice for a month. Now they head out to Oxnard, California, where it's about 75 every day. People having to wear jackets in the morning, nice and cool. And the first time I think they'll hit is when they play Denver next weekend. And so, yeah, it's, it's very different about how things used to be compared to the way they are now. And I don't know which is better. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know either. But I do know that when you start looking at Will Rogers now in year three, Mike Leach now in year three, Charlie, looking at the season, I know we've got a, a, a month to go before we start football. And so we can really break down this in more detail. And when I start thinking about this team offensively, and I may be wrong, tell me I'm wrong, I know you will because you always do. I keep looking at this offense, and I see the wide receivers, and yes, we do lose Makai Polk, but I see a quarterback that's been in this system now for three years. I see two running backs that have split time over the last couple of years. you got everybody coming back at running back. I look at wide receivers, and I think we're going to be good at wide receiver. All right, I seem to think that there's one position group left on this pyramid that you're building. No, so where I'm going to is tackles. I'm going to go to left tackle and right tackle. All right, so you're telling me you feel good at center and guard. The question sharp at center. Not going to do any better. No, not going to do any better there. Guard-wise, same guys there. Nick Jones, Cameron Jones, even though he may play some right tackle. Cole Smith. You'll piece it together at the guards. I feel good about the guards. Now about the tackle. Can we mark that? Um, I just want to mark that and play it week yeah, six. Yeah, we're going to play that one back one day. I just wonder about the tackles. And I know you've got Dollar Bill and Percy Lewis out at left tackle. And so I guess my question is this. Did we take Charles Cross for granted too much? I don't think we appreciated how good he was because I think you complain about the line. You notice the line when things go bad. And a lot of times when somebody gets to the quarterback, what do you hear in the stands? The line has to block better. Well, it may not be the line. It may be one particular guy within said line. But, man, left tackle. You feel good about Dollar Bill hanging out there? Well, I think about – Because – Hey, Will Anderson's going to line up on the other side for one game. 
I'm just saying, I mean, in this league, and you start thinking about your offensive guys, your offensive lineman guys. How much that, though? Let me, I want to I wanna stop you on the dollar bill question. you got to figure out whether he's an inside or outside guy on the offensive line. But my question is this. If Percy Lewis is as good as advertised, is kind of him right now, quote, being second team an issue of we're going to make him earn it? Or, man, think back. We've had some JUCO offensive line. Well, that's what I was about to say, too, is I think back to Martinez Rankin, who was a big-time recruit coming out of Gulf Coast several years ago. And didn't yeah, we he came to, in 15. Didn't we have to redshirt him? He redshirted 15. Yeah, had to redshirt him to get him ready. We talk about Scotty DeBrule and R.J. Yeager and all these guys coming in from greater five schools playing in Power 5 baseball about the acclimation period. Man, think about junior college football, especially on the offensive line. To me, that's the guy I think about is Martinez Rankin. Now, we brought in Sidaway at one time from out west, and he came in and played right away. And Charles Sidaway was pretty good, but it was at right tackle. Left tackle is a different animal. It's not like a long snapper. You don't know who the long snapper is until he messes up. But it's like you said a minute ago, offensive lineman's kind of that same way. You really don't notice them until something bad happens. And so you've got Dollar Bill out there, Percy Lewis out there. On the right side, Albert Reese. He's Cam- the guy, right, Albert Reese. You would think. Cameron Jones. Even though at times last year, what did we say? Man, surely to goodness, we got somebody at right tackle, better at right tackle. But evidently we didn't at the time. And so you hope Albert Reese is that guy. So I'm, am I wrong for saying that I think this team is as good as its tackles are going to be? Is that simplifying things too much? Yeah, not necessarily. I think we've got enough guys that you can plug it up in the middle. You feel really good about LaQuinston Sharp. Man, keep him healthy. Find a way to keep him healthy. And then at guard between Cam Jones, Cole Smith, I mean, you, Nick Jones, I mean, you'll find somebody, right? And you can always move somebody inside if they don't win the job on the outside. Left tackle, that's – I'm not even – Boy, I know you jumped out there and said you're not worried about the guards. I'm just going to say it. I'm not worried about right tackle. I think we'll be fine. Okay. I'm worried about left tackle. But I will say this. In this offense, if you get pressure up the middle, to me pressure up the middle is more detrimental than pressure from the outside. Am I right or wrong? Because you're going to get rid of it pretty quick here. If you get flushed from the pocket, that's when you're in trouble here. No, I think that's a little bit right. Well, I mean. We can go around and round about this all day. Yeah, I didn't see Sam Williams beating us up up the middle. You know, you don't see Will Anderson beating us up. But those are different kind of players. So, yeah, it, may, it takes all the above, right? I thought it was interesting Mike Leach said yesterday that they kind of zeroed in on more guys at wide receiver. They, they were using too many guys, he said, on Friday. And so they wanted to kind of narrow the scope. There is such a thing about, you hate to say the word, too deep because we do have some depth at the wide receiver position. But once you start running 15 guys in and out at practice, you kind of wonder about the cohesiveness you have with a quarterback. Uh, Can I tell you that I don't necessarily believe that? Really? Not Not at this point of practice. You know what I think that is? I think that's just Mike Leach just saying stuff. Do you? Kind of saying things. Because here's what I know. We are running guys. This is the kind of year where – you think back now and then you just got to have some guys out there to do a few things. Yeah. If you're trying to get our quarterbacks as many throws as you're trying to get them, six guys can't do that. I mean, you're going to have to recruit managers <laughs> if you don't have more than that because somebody's got to be able to run and 
and take a break now and then, right? Are you going to sign up for that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> they run too much, man. But so you think about it. Am I, am I wrong there? I mean, I think back I've been around a whole lot of teams. When you come out early, they're guys who never sniff the field during the season. And they get their hopes up because – they're getting a lot of routes here in the early part of two-a-days. And guys like us that are at practice saying, hey, let me tell you. Hey, you better watch out for Watch your eyes for this guy. He's getting more reps than we thought. Then it just turn, turned out that he's just getting reps because you need him for reps. Caleb Ducking on the outside, Antonio Harmon, the redshirt freshman from Kosciuszko. He had a pretty good spring. Uh, Jordan Mosley, Xavier Thomas. Remember when Antonio Hargrove? Did push-ups on the field, by the way. Was that the Arkansas game? I was thinking it was Memphis. I don't remember. Had the ball go right through his hands. And he just – who was it? He came in with Ray Ray Bivens. Phone booth. Yeah. And starts – drops the pass and just starts doing, <laughs> doing push-ups push on the, the field. field. <laughs> okay, let's think about the outside. Okay, you've got, you know, Ducking, who's another junior college guy who was a little bit slow getting in the mix a little bit last year. And then you've got Tulu Griffin – Ra-Ra Thomas on the outside. And then the inside receivers, you kind of feel good about the inside receivers, Jameer Calvin, Austin Williams. You know, the guys we haven't really talked about a whole lot, Jaden Wally, Christian Ford. Ford got hurt at the end of last year. But you've got a number of guys in the middle at wide receivers, so you kind of feel good there. I'll just say this. If we have a bad year, I just refuse to accept that receiver is going to be the reason. You'd love to have Makai Polk back. Could have, should have, would have been back. But got bad advice, followed it, and now we don't have him. I don't think if, – if we were ranking reasons this season could go wrong, I just don't think it's sitting there in that wide receiver room. And I don't think it's at your quarterback position either. No, I don't either. Not for what Mike Leach is trying to accomplish. Another question people continue to ask unmercifully is, hey, how many games are going to win this year? I don't think you can base number of wins based upon product. And what I mean by that is I think we could have a much better product this year and whether that's going to translate into wins or not, you just don't know. And I think when you say, hey, Mike Leach has always won X amount of games in year three, I think you take those numbers and throw them out too. I mean, how good are you going to be? Are you good enough to beat somebody on the other side? We're chalking up Kentucky right now and saying Kentucky is, is a game that we're definitely going to win. We've got to go to Kentucky. They've got Rodriguez at running back, Will Levis at quarterback. I mean, you start looking around this league, and I'm not trying to make excuses. I don't think we're going to win four games or anything. But we could be really good. We could be a very good football team and we'll go 7-5 and five in a regular season. Oh, such is the SEC, man. you got to have some breaks. Fair to say that we've had some seven-win teams better than some nine-win teams that we've turned out. I know the Bill Parcells deal at the end of the year, you are what you are. But, man, sometimes you just look and say, is this team a better team than they were a year ago? Not all seven-win teams are created equally. No, right? you got to look at who you played. For example, here the most glaring one, get rid of George on our schedule, give us Vanderbilt back. Yeah, now, all of a sudden, there's another win because they're not competitive. Then it's nine or ten, you would think. We could win nine or ten with that schedule. Could win five or six with this one. Well, I'm not predicting that, but but it could happen. But if it does, man, it's going to be some lonely, tough post game shows <laughs> at Bulldog Burger for us. Uh, make that milkshake a stiff one. Yeah, what do they call them? Loaded milkshakes. And then we'd have to have some loaded coffees the next morning. Boy. Speaking of, I've got my coffee this morning from Strange Brew, Strange Brew Coffee House. Two locations in Startville on Highway 12 and Spring Street. I went to that location this morning. I left the uh, the University Drive location alone this morning, went to Spring Street on Highway 12, went upstairs, looked at some stuff online, tried to get ready for this show, 
and I've got my tall boy of blueberry cobbler flavored coffee. And I was in the in the store the other day, ran into someone, and they were like, "Hey, try this blueberry cobbler because you've been talking about it." And they were like, "This is legit. It's what we've turned to in our house." Of course, you still go with a stone cold black coffee, just regular black coffee. I'm, I'm hardcore that way. I'm okay with that. That's okay. I'm cool. old school. And of course, they're in Tupelo as well. Brupolo, turning spoon. Ice cream here in Starkville. I wanted to go back this morning and go upstairs and just kind of sit there because I knew it would be quiet because campus is about to be crawling. Coming back, I had to be in Jackson last night, and I was coming back this morning, and I saw lots of people headed this way. Saw Stopped in Louisville to get some gas. Saw a lot of freshmen on their way to move in. It's kind of cool. I like the excitement in the town when people start coming back. I don't love the traffic so much, but, man, I'll take it. I felt old on Monday night. My daughter, who's going to be a senior this year. She was doing the application? She did the application the other night. The eight that, you know. They got to send that, like, to a second committee and yeah. give it some thought. <laughs> That's what I asked her on Tuesday. Check that last name. I said, hey, did you finish that up? And she said, yeah, I finished it up. I said, did you get accepted? And she was like, I have no idea. I was like, oh, yeah, you're there. These satellites are linking up. <laughs> There's <laughs> alarms going off over in uh, Allen Hall right now. Yeah, trying to figure out if she's on – the do not enter list in Canada. That's Richard Aikens. All right. Um, hey, you brought up something last week that you talked about you wanted to do. And I've been kind of waiting on this all week about featuring somebody in the M Club. Did you have a chance to look at your highlights of the M Club this week? I did. You know what I stumbled upon? I got to looking at guys who lettered in multiple sports or who are in the Hall of Fame for multiple sports. And it was interesting because we have a number of people. This is just a throwback to the 30s right? And the 20s where guys have basketball, baseball, and football. We have a handful of guys, though, who are in for four sports. Four sports, really? Yeah, so seven for four sports. Now, there are five of those that are in for what they considered the big four back at the time, football, baseball, basketball, and track and field. But it was interesting because I started pulling these guys up and just looking at them. One of them, C.B. Buck Cameron. You familiar with Mr. Cameron? I'm not, but fill so, me in. All right, so he's basketball, boxing, football, and tracking field. Never lost a boxing match. In 1921, he ran a punt back 71 yards to help us tie Alabama. Caught nine passes against Drake in 22, so he could fit in this offense. So we tied Alabama that year. Did they claim another national championship that year? I'm sure they did. How about this? He was on a relay team. Called it the 4C relay team. Clark, Cato, Cochran, and Cameron. They never lost a relay. But here's what jumped out at me. So he went and became a football coach at Laurel High School, initiated and installed the first permanently lighted high school football stadium in the South. Really? At Laurel. How about that? Didn't know that. Tornadoes. And so then we had, is that what they are? Aren't they? I thought that was like Philadelphia or something. What's Philadelphia? Tornadoes. So we have multiple tornadoes? Yeah. They're the golden tornadoes. A golden tornado. You know, at some point, a golden know, we can tor- think about whether we celebrate national disaster. Like, how long will Miami last as the Hurricanes? Well, we're changing up nicknames. In any event, I digress. Duty Noble, nothing you need to say about him. Coach Lloyd McDougal, longtime Memphis coach. He got in. He was the last person. He was inducted in the M Club Hall of Fame because he was the last person to have been a letterman in the Big Four. Then we had a guy, Morley Topsy Jennings. Baseball, basketball, football, and track of field. And you've probably never heard of Morley Jennings, have you? No. He is in the College Football Hall of Fame as a coach. He played at Mississippi State. He coached at, how do you say that, Wachita? Wachita. Wachita, Baptist. Was a coach there for a long time. And then he was the head coach at Baylor 
from 1926 to 1940 and became Baylor's athletic director. 1926 to 1940? Yeah. I mean, he's a longtime football coach at Baylor. And then, like I said, became a Hall of Famer after he was a AD for a long time. I wonder if they were as weird at Baylor at that time as they are now. Absolutely. H. Grady Perkins, he coached at St. Stanislaus. Rocket Charles. His was interesting because his four sports, of so basketball, football, tennis, track and field. Sounds like me, man. I played football, baseball, basketball at Nanawoya, then went to East Central, played tennis. Played tennis. Yeah, he's well, a man after my own heart, yeah. And then last, George Pillow. So George Senior. Pillow, yes, 1971, he was inducted. He was in the big four, but he is only one of five people. He's in the Mississippi State Sports Hall of Fame, like the one in Jackson, right? The old Michael Rubenstein, wasn't he the guy that started that? He was. But anyway. Then Rick Cleveland. He's one of the five guys to letter in all four sports. His son, his son, George Pillow Jr., lives in Florence, Alabama, and owns Senators Coaches. And they're like one of these, one of the biggest bus leasing companies for like rock stars. Like when you two goes on, on tour, Mr. George went to Mississippi State. He's a cool dude to talk to. Great guy. And uh, lives in Florence. His daughter has that restaurant, Odette, in downtown Florence. That's just a Really, sign I up. hear about that a lot. Yeah, it's fantastic. In fact, I was talking to someone not too long ago. They love going to Florence, Alabama. I like Florence, Alabama a lot. And let me, I'll say this. George Pillow, hands down, one of the top five humans on the face of the earth. No doubt. So that leaves three. Me. <laughs> sure. No. Now we got to have a raffle for the final three. <laughs> so, anyway, I thought that was interesting. You started playing in the M Club Hall of Fame, and you see guys who lettered in the big three, and then to go find guys who lettered in four sports. That's it's a different world today. It is. I wonder, you know, there aren't many. Do we have anybody playing two sports right now? You know, Sawyer Robertson came here with the idea that he might. Promise to work. play two sports or actually playing two sports? Well, I started thinking back to football and practice this week. And how many times, say 10 years ago, 15 years ago, were we just now getting the freshmen on campus? And they were showing up. All of them were out of shape. And oh, and they practiced, what, a couple of days before the rest of the team got there? Right. And now yeah, it's freshman report day. Now it's just a year-long, complete process. <laughs> and so think about this. Because back on freshman report day, I think back when I was in high school, I got to work in the training room. Rocky was coaching. In freshman report day, they would show up. They'd get on the scales. You'd take their height. It was like you were just meeting the guys. <laughs> you know, here's the key to your dorm that you put on a shoestring to wear around your neck. And if it's one thing you could say about Rocky Felker, he could recruit and really figured it out. Jackie Shearer was one of the reasons we were so good when Jackie got here. Right. He had players. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Rocky's right across the hall from me, and he just blares country music. And Lionel Richie, he blares country music like Blake Shelton all day, and then – all of a sudden, you'll start hearing the Commodores and Lionel Richie. I'm not against the Commodores. I'm not sure that would be the soundtrack to my work day. That's what I'm but saying. I'm not against the Commodores. A complete surprise that Lionel Richie is so much on that guy's. So what's up with this? You're saying he blares it. Blares is it. Is it the walls are bad? Is no, he can't hear. He can't hear. He can't hear. He can't hear, and I can't hear. You know, as I get older, I want the volume down. No, I want it up because I can't hear. Rocky can't hear. And so for us to have a conversation with each other, we say, huh, like 19 times. It's almost like a Marx Brothers skit because we can't understand what each other's saying. It's just easier to text across the hall than to walk over. It is. Some of it may be my Nanawoya dialect. Hey, also this week, since we saw each other, 
we start talking about the, the sports world. And I guess before we talk about that, we'll talk about our good friends at Tracks Plus. Back on with us for football season, Tracks Plus. Five locations now, Charlie. They've added a fifth location in Bessemer, Alabama on Interstate 459, right there on the loop. So Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton in Columbus. And you've got Ken Crosby and Hickory Grace Howell down in Summit, Mississippi. Hoot Weems over in Alexandria, Louisiana. And I guess we need to talk to Chris and see who's the uh, who's your contact person over at Tracks Plus in Bessemer, Alabama. Saw that sign a couple weeks ago. Hey, you do our friend Brooks Lewis, former baseball player at Mississippi State. Yeah. Now physical therapist. Was a catcher. Yep, sure was. His son yesterday got to get up close. He sent me a picture. They were at the Mississippi Ag and Outdoor Expo going on in Jackson, and Tracks Plus was there. He sent me a picture with his son on some Tracks Plus equipment, and I told him, I can teach that kid how to cut some donuts in that thing. <laughs> how to drive a skid steer? I can teach him. I'm your guy for all things implements and heavy equipment. Hey, it's not going to be much longer until they have that out here just south of town, that I mid-south action. I still have nightmares about those things. I'm telling you, it's like stuff. It's like Death Star kind of stuff, man. They can take a forest and turn it into sawdust in mere seconds. <laughs> and that thing where they where they basically take an entire tree and run it through that. I mean, you want to talk about how to dispose of evidence. <laughs> you, you can put a lot on that thing, and it's going to come out just flakes on the other side. So what you're saying is, is mob movies in the near future are going to be featuring bandits. I'll just say this. If I ever see Marco. one of those things in Jersey, I'm going to know what they're up to. Yeah. All right, hey, this past week, and that's our good friends at Tracks Plus. Go to tracksplus.com. Look at all that great uh, used equipment as well. they got a big supply of uh, used equipment down at the Hickory exit. Yeah, you don't need to buy new equipment if you're going to be disposing of evidence. No. All right, this past week, Bill Russell, Vin Scully, have we had a trifecta? They always come in threes. Have we had the trifecta yet? I don't think we have. Okay. Somebody out there. Walk lightly today. Walk very lightly today. Bill Russell passed away earlier this week at 88, and he won 11 championships with the Boston Celtics. Of course, that was before my time and before your time as well. But you start thinking about the Celtics, and you start thinking about the NBA, and, hey, Bailey Howell was a part of those teams, and he was talking about how just how great Bill Russell was. And one of the things that everybody always talked about Bill Russell was just how determined and how gritty, and it just he was just as some people say the best of all time. Of course, that's hard to judge when you start talking about different eras as well. But also this week, Vin Scully. Charlie, were you a big Vin Scully guy? I was a, I was a big fan of Vin Scully. Absolutely. Love Vin Scully. And it wasn't as much with the Dodgers. It was when we were growing up, it was the Major League Baseball game of the week. Joe Garagiola. You know, I went back and watched that 88 game with Gibson hitting the home run the other night. It was on ESPN, too. It was after Vince Scully passed away. And Joe Garagiola was a color analyst, and they broadcast that ball game. And one of the great things about you know that, that home run by Gibson in the 88 World Series was how he just kind of let it breathe. After the home run was hit, he shut up. And I thought that was one of the great things. And one of the things that broadcasters today, myself included, need to do probably a lot more is just shut up. I expect many of our listeners would like <laughs> us to shut up now and then. Now, you think about the big moments of Ben Scully. I, I described it as, to some degree, like the narrator for a lot of my childhood. If you think about our connection to baseball growing up, you mentioned one of the guys, Joe Garagiola. You had Tim McCarver. Harry Carey. Uh, no, not Tim McCarver. Just don't. <laughs> don't. Harry Carey. Yeah, but you think about the guys who – he heard playing baseball. Ben Scully, though, was 
was kind of the big moment guy, wasn't he? And you think about what Vince Scully was, and then you think about what you hear now. Well, we say that about Al Michaels, too. Al yes. Michaels was the big moment guy. But Vince Scully was more radio for a long time, of course, and then he became TV when you know when TV became cool. I mean, that guy broadcast Don Larson's perfect game of the 1956 World Series when he was with the Brooklyn Dodgers. When Vince Scully was with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Don Larson, by the way, today was his birthday. Didn't know that. There you go. Here's one of the things that stood out to me about Vince Scully. I was going back listening to the five or six big moments of Vince Scully's career. All right, hold on. I'm going to go through these. The there's two guys that share a moment, okay, and that is the Kirk Gibson home run. Yes, because you have Jack Buck, and then you have Vince Scully. You had two different calls, one radio, one TV. But so that's got to be one of Vince Scully's, though, right? The yes. Kirk Gibson home run. Um, he he had Hank Aaron. He had the Hank Aaron home run. Okay, here's what's interesting about that. Okay, he also had the Mookie Wilson ground ball that got through Buckner in the 1986 Mets. The 86 World Series, Buckner playing first base for the Red Sox. It gets through Buckner at first base. All right, so I was listening to the Hank Aaron home run where he surpassed Babe Ruth. That was, what, 1974? And in the call, he says, Buckner goes back. No. Yes. Same guy? Same guy. I didn't know that. Buckner was playing left field for the Dodgers. He later was traded to the Cubs, who turned him into a first baseman. And then he was the first baseman for the Red Sox. So he was that old by the time he was playing. I guess in my mind, Buckner wasn't that old when he was playing first base, but I guess he was Yeah, for so, the Red Sox. So two of those big calls, you can go back and listen to the, to the Henry Aaron call, Buckner going back in left field, and it was Bill Buckner. Who's no longer with us. He is not. He is currently gone. Man, I, you know what I always hated about Bill Buckner? Not about Bill Buckner, but for Bill Buckner. To see a guy, what he played, 17, 18 years in the major league. And that's all people remember him for. It's kind of like Robin Ventura. <laughs> people, th- yeah. <laughs> you know, Robin Ventura set the you know, the NCAA record for most hits in consecutive games. And he played a long time in the major league baseball. But what does people think, what do people think about when they think of We Ventura? just had that anniversary too, yeah. Nolan Ryan. <laughs> you know, Buckner actually played in 21 years. That's crazy. And to be remembered for one thing when you're an accomplished player, that just – I love sports, but I, I hate the cruelty of just having to carry around that one thing. Now, Ventura, the way that group acted in 87 when they came in here for the regional, yeah, yeah, wear it, brother. Yeah. He, it, got, he got popped by an old guy for a lot, a lot of oh times. Oh, my gosh. I saw the clip this week, and somebody was saying, you know, Ventura became the first guy to get five hits in one inning. <laughs> what it bad. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be another story for another day. The guys that you remember them that had accomplished careers that you remember them for something like that. Yeah, just maybe we'll set about making that right. Yeah, Jean Vandeveld. Yeah, it's a tough one, but I don't know how accomplished his career was. It wasn't. That was he's a one shot wonder. Yeah, Do we have any state guys like that? I'd like to hope not. I want to think about that. I want to. You know, this is where books come from, like Field of Dreams, right? Ease is pain. <laughs> Let's think about whether we got anybody. We got to go back and kind of restore the legacy here. Well, Bobby Thickpin will always be one of my favorites. He will always be one of my favorites. Oh, you're not going to go there, are you? Uh, man, no, I'm just saying I'm just saying that was a bad – that was a tough moment. That was a tough moment if he throws a curveball to Greg Elena. Yeah, high fastball wasn't the, wasn't the pitch call there. <sighs> Golly. That was a moment from my childhood I want to forget. Yeah, we had a few of them, though, because even the year before we had the walk-off to UNO in 84. 
you know, in the regional. Right. Think about that. We got walked off. How about that? So you think about the 85 team. We didn't get walked off in 83 because we lost back-to-back games out in Austin to get put out. But we didn't get walked off in 84. That wasn't a walk-off by Wheeler. No, Wida. that's right. It was not a walk-off. It, but it, essentially it was a walk-off. It felt like one, didn't it? Yeah, it was. And then we were actually walked off in 85. So I guess 84-85, it was the big home run by the opposing team that effectively ended it. All right, back to football. One minute. I want to know, because we're going to go through our ups and downs. How do you feel? I feel good right now. But mark, don't you have the, Mark that and put it in week six. I mean, don't you feel, though, right now that we are what we complain about in fall and baseball all the time? What we say is quit getting excited about practice reports that some guy's doing great because he is doing it against us. You can say, man, this guy's lighting our defense up. He's shooting the layups against the folding chairs. I mean, yeah, it's the, I mean, <laughs> I got you, but those are the, that's the same defense that we're going to have to depend on not to get torched against Memphis. So if we got a receiver lighting them up, what's the guy they have? At Memphis? Yeah, what's the fast dude? I try to forget all about Memphis. No, I'll have to go back and look. But that being said, I can't get too excited about somebody doing something good against ourselves. We're going to be good. I'm telling you, Charlie, we're going to be good. Hey, back for another season this year before we get out of here. Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford, nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. They've got a lot more inventory right now than they've had in a long time. A lot more inventory than a lot of other dealerships have right now. But also the service center, the body shop. If you're in Starville, need your oil changed. Cannon Ford of Starville on Highway 182, just east of town. Call Chris Keen and the fine folks out there at the Cannon Ford of Starville. And they'll get you set up. And if you want to trade in, get a new car. Used car, whatever you need, Cannon Ford of Starville. All right, Charlie. Hey, enjoyed it as always. Start hitting this week, so I may go out to practice for a day or two. Every time I go to football practice, you know what it makes me think? I'm at football practice. And I almost kind of just get you know, the little PTSD kicks in. Oof, man. Mike Leach sent out a tweet a couple weeks ago. The thirst quencher of my youth. It was a water hose. water hose. Just the taste of water hose oh. water. And you, know, you hated to be the guy. You were always very thirsty. But you did so not. you wanted to get there fast, but not too fast. Because it was hot. That water that came out at first had just been <laughs> baking in the hose all day. Man, you wanted that to clear out, didn't you? And, it, and that little taste, that little wang it had to oh. it, it kind of went away after about the fifth or sixth person. So, yeah, you wanted to walk over there. You didn't want to get there in the first four or five people at the water hose. So, when I was a kid, the football coach, Robert Herring, Robert Herring actually left Mississippi, went over, was a longtime high school coach in Alabama, Hall of Famer, absolutely great guy. But this was back before Gatorade was as big a deal as it is now and all the different things you have. He got grape Kool-Aid, and he mixed it with salt. Salt, yeah. And just, I mean, it was <laughs> awful. It was grape salt is basically what you got. But you know what happened to me is for years after that, when I would get Kool-Aid, I'd throw salt in there. It just... That memory. It just kicked in. Did you ever take just the salt tablets? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Out of for some reason, I remember those salt <laughs> tablets. It was like you thought you were kind of getting away with an edge. I mean, that might as well have been steroid. Hey, we got salt tablets. Oh, well, we're good now. Pickle juice. Oh, I couldn't. I can't go there. Pickle juice, bananas, early in the year, salt tablets, water. Yeah. Good old days, man. Salt tablets. Oh. Mm. little skin lube. Remember that? <laughs> Old green stuff, and then the uh, – they didn't call it icy hot. Oh, atomic I- bomb. That's what it was. <laughs> atomic bomb. 
man, we could do, how great would it be to just go back and think about like all the equipment you used to have? If you could go back in time to a high school equipment room, you'd have the square toe shoe for the kicker. Yes. And it's always like a lineman. So some little kids having to run the square toe shoe out, and he had to put a strap, strap on, on it. Had to put a strap on his ankle. So he had to do that. You remember back in the day when people actually wore knee pads? Yeah, below. Yeah, they went below your knees. I remember a high school game where they stopped the game because people didn't have butt pads. And who wears that now? I mean, now how many guys wear pants that even get to their knees? Yeah, we could do a whole story on that. The good old days. The good old day syndrome right well, here. Well, it's, it's funny, too, to go back and look. I was looking at some old film the other day. Some of the guys that put these out you know, on Twitter and things, I just get stuck watching old videos. And I'm always struck by how big the shoulder pads were back then, how big the shoulder pads and how loose the jerseys. Yeah, because we start thinking about you going out the first two days of practice and you had just the helmets on. But that was the big difference as a quarterback was day three of actually putting the pads on. Yeah, you've thrown a ton of passes all during the summer, but you haven't done it with shoulder pads. And it's just a, it's a different arm. Of course, and not shoulder, with those shoulder pads. And so you had a different arm slot and everything when you put the shoulder pads on. But anyway, that's a good times. Man, good memories. High school football is going to be starting up soon. And I saw that in Mississippi, most games can be starting about 730 so pushing them back just a little bit. They did that forever. The, for the first two months, they said 7.30. Then they gave you the option of going to 7 o'clock. Then they came out a few years ago and said, okay, everybody's going to uniform at 7 o'clock. And now we're back, right back to where we started. Hey, 7.30 on Friday nights, the first two months of the year. And going back to the water breaks and things like that. And I'm okay with that as a fan. Yes, absolutely. Man, think about how many – high school football games you and I have broadcast in a press box in the state of Mississippi in the month of September that only 5% of games we've broadcast had an air conditioning unit in there. Louisville High School, man, that old cinder block, and I'm talking about it's hot. I'm talking about hot, hot. Just about to pass out. Well, that's the beauty of Noxipater, your rival. At least you had like the open-air treehouse kind of thing. But Mr. Rash was always doing the play-by-play over the PA, and he was standing right beside you. We used to get some good stuff at West Lounge over the PA. That's another thing. The of course, Nanawoya had a little bit of that too, right? Yeah, Nanawoya had. Was that your cousin, brother? No. Okay. No relation. Oh, Scott Gregory down there. He'd get to going. I know Scott. We're not related. Okay. Yeah. He he get to going calling a game a little bit. That is, um, and this is not a knock at anybody that does it. Of course, I like Mr. Rash a lot, but. I'm not a big fan of the play-by-play over the PA. The first time I ever heard that, the first time I ever heard that, well, I would. the more high Eagles we played more in high school. The first time I ever tried to broadcast a ball game when someone was doing the PA, doing the play-by-play, was at Ackerman. And I'll never forget this. Connor Stevens was playing at Ackerman. And I remember Mr. Black, and I can't remember the name of the two guys that, that did the games. And they did a good job. They were great. They're funny. It's all get out. And I'll never forget. So-and-so drops back to pass. He's got a man wide open out in the right flats. And all of a sudden, he threw it to the right flats. And I got to laughing about it because you're like, they're like yelling. Throw hey, it to the left. <laughs> hey, enjoyed it as always. Once again, thanks to our great friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Our good friends at Tracks Plus now with five locations, three in the state of Mississippi, one in Bessemer, now one in Alexandria, Louisiana. Our good friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. And and once again, our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your banking needs. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.